Welcome to The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. If you're interested in different methods and ways to transform your life, like plant medicines and psychedelics, breathwork, meditation, somatic practices, cold exposure, and so many more that we've talked about on this show, then my friends, you are in the right place. This podcast is not just for practitioners. It's also for you if you're new to transformational work and you're looking for more information and direction. The reason I chose the name The Vital Point is to highlight the most important secret to actually changing your life, regardless of the method or modality that interests you. Are you ready to hear it? The vital point is that you have to practice. You can't just listen or read about transformation. And most of the time, you're not going to have some sort of one-time life-changing event. Real transformation is a process. I started this podcast to spotlight incredible leaders and practitioners who have experienced their own transformation and have been called to share their passion and mission with others so that you can benefit as well. If you're new to this type of work, welcome. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I'm an integration and transformation coach, breathwork facilitator, been meditating for 19 years, and recently began teaching mindfulness. Breathwork and a lot of the other modalities and resources I talk about on this show are tools that I discovered when I was at my lowest, going through my own transformational journey. I know how much change they can actually bring because I've experienced it myself. I've experienced the transformation that comes from working, practicing, and integrating these experiences, these practices. My intention is not only to entertain, but that something that you hear on this podcast sparks the fire of your own change. When you do feel called to learn more, please send me or the guests a message. We are all here to grow together and support each other. And I hope you enjoy today's episode of the show. So for this episode, I'd like to just give you a little bit of context about where my head's been at. I'm really trying to lean into the name of the podcast, The Vital Point, and explore what that is. Because to me, The Vital Point of transformational practice is to practice, you know, and I realize that my guests and with their experience and their modalities, their disciplines, they might have different vital points. And I'm curious about what those are, because to me, that's one of the magical things about doing a podcast is that you can learn knowledge and experience and wisdom from somebody else so that it can help you with your journey, with your practice, so that you don't have to go through the same quagmires, pitfalls, uh, sort of forests of confusion that I did or they did. So with that being said, the vital point for this episode is breath awareness is self-awareness. And it's a theme that runs through this conversation with breath worker and physiotherapist Campbell Well. It's a really awesome conversation. 
Um, you know me, I love talking about breath work. I'm a breath work facilitator myself. And I really got to know a little bit more about Campbell's work and about more functional breath work, which is a side of breath work that I've been getting more into both as a personal practice and in teaching myself. Like for instance, once a month, I teach a breath work for floating class at a local float center here in Tucson. So it would be a little dangerous to do transformational breath work in a float tank, even though it's a very shallow pool of water, you're still in water. And functional breath work is much better for that setting. And so that class, you know, I teach about how you can use your breath to change your nervous system, to uh, calm yourself down for focus, and to really maximize the potential of that float experience. And of course, these skills are useful outside of the context of a float as well, but the float is a perfect place for it. So some of the things that we get into in this podcast are um, how the breath informs and supports the other systems in the body. You know, Campbell's a physiotherapist, so that's really where his practice and discipline has, um, you know, brought him to. And how to use the breath to change these different systems in the body, especially the autonomic nervous system. We also got into how our modern world is changing our nervous system and our nervous system response and how that's happened in a very brief period of time and how the breath is helping us balance out these changes. And, you know, I think that was part of really where the conversation got really rich to me. So I'm curious about what you think about it. I'd love to hear your comments. You can leave me a comment on uh, Blue Magic Alchemy on Instagram or uh, send me an email at bluemagicalchemy at gmail.com. And sort of through that part of the conversation, we got into being the driver of our experience rather than the passenger and how one can do that by using the breath to observe and change the state of our nervous system and our body. And then we tied it all back in with how all this breath work begins with awareness. And in the last 10 minutes or so of the podcast, Campbell offered a beautiful practice for you to use to reset and pause. So I'd invite you to give it a try so that you can experience how even a short breathwork practice can help shift your state. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Really appreciate it. If you're enjoying the podcast to subscribe, tell a friend that you think would also benefit from learning methods for personal transformation and the practices for how to do them. So enjoy friends. So welcome to another episode of the vital point podcast podcast all about transformational practices from meditation to breath work, psychedelics, cold exposure, meditation, and more. And 
pleased today to welcome a fellow breathworker, Campbell Will. He's known as Breath Body Therapy here on Instagram. So Campbell, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jonathan. I'm super excited. Yeah, super excited to have you. And I'm really excited because just looking at a lot of your content, um, you know, breathwork is such a is such a vast term nowadays. You know, it's become such this huge sprawling uh, thing. And when you say, "Oh, I practice breathwork," um, that can mean so many different things, right? And just looking at your content, immediately my thought was, "Oh, Campbell practices some different." types of breath work than like maybe I'm used to. So it'll be great to like have him on the podcast and, and talk about some different aspects of the breath work process. So just to get started, like, why don't you tell everybody like about, you know, who you are and, and what, what you're, what kind of work you're doing? Yeah. I, I mean, I really love that we're starting there because I completely agree. Right. Breath work is this kind of like all encompassing term that depending on what your preconceived notions are, it means something different to everyone. You know, right. the vast majority of people I find assume that breathwork is, you know, laying down with an eye mask on or music on and dark room, incense burning and breathing in an active pattern, right? And that's right. one extremely effective form of breathwork. But what I like to teach, and just because of my background, so I've been a physiotherapist for 10 years and I, I worked in ICUs and neurosurgery wards, right? I came down the kind of medical system from teaching respiration. You know, but at that same time, I encountered this guy called Wim Hof and was at this kind of crossroads between like what I was doing in a clinical framework versus what I saw the potential for outside of that framework. And so now I'm trying to meld those two worlds, honestly. You know, I teach the kind of transformational practices and what I like to just kind of term conscious breath work. But I'm also really passionate about teaching people that how they breathe all day is probably more important. You know, you're going to take 22 to 25,000 breaths today. Sure, laying down and doing 20, 30, 60 minutes of conscious breathing will give you enormous benefits. But if you go back to dysfunctional breathing for the next 23 hours, it's probably not going to do what you want it to do. You know, so taking away this idea that breathwork is this separate practice, right, and actually integrating it into your day-to-day -day experience of like, well, how do you breathe when you're stressed? How do you breathe when someone's critical of you? How do you breathe when you're frightened, right? That's breathwork too. And that's where I really kind of like focus my attention because I think that's what moves the needle most for people longer term. Yeah, it's such a great point. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if you if you go to the gym for an hour a day, it doesn't really matter how hard you work out. If the rest of the day you're like sitting on the couch, eating junk food and not taking care of yourself. <laughs> it's a perfect example. And I use that, you know, as a physio, like I say that, you know, someone that sits at their desk for 10 hours a day, but then does 20 minutes of stretching at the end of the day. I'm like, ah, you know, it's not going to cut it. Like we have to be more mindful of what am I doing all day, every day, the kind of cumulative effect of that. And I think that's where a lot of people fail to recognize, well, the cumulative effect of crappy breathing, you know, is anxiety and poor sleep and poor energy management. And having that 20 minute practice at the end of the day, yes, it will shift your state and you'll feel good, but there's so much more that can be done. And then it really kind of like you build this stronger foundation and then that conscious practice becomes even more effective. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that you build or help people um, with breath work within that physiotherapist uh, kind of box? Yeah, I, so I, guess, I guess the I guess maybe a better place to start is what exactly does a physiotherapist do? 
Yeah. Well, so like I, I always, it's a good question, you know, because I was always obsessed with the human body, which is why I became a physiotherapist. And so a physio will look at mainly biomechanics, you know, and the musculoskeletal system. We look at joints and muscles and movement and like injury, you know, but I started to encounter that that's one piece of the puzzle, right? Someone's musculoskeletal system and their biomechanics is just one piece. What about emotions? What about sleep hygiene? What about energy management? What about environmental health, right? I started to realize those pieces of the puzzle are just not, if not more important than the kind of physical side of things. And that's really where I kind of like saw breathwork is becoming this like integral piece. It's like, oh, it connects the dots. You know, if you've got crappy posture, you've got crappy breathing. You know, and if you are in pain, if you've got back pain, you're probably going to have crappy breathing. So it became this nice little like way to open up the door to someone and be like, all right, you're here to see me because you've got a sore back. That's affecting your breathing and your breathing's affecting the level of arousal in your brain and you feel anxious. It's like, there's my opportunity to show you more than just how to rehab your back, you know, because I would see it time and time again over the past decade, right? I see the same person, the same injury a couple of times a year. And it's like, right, well, why aren't we getting better? You know, why are you coming back with the same injury? It's like, there's another piece here that we're missing. And I think that's where something like breath in my, you know, the the tools that I use has become super valuable in teaching someone that there's more to health than physical well-being, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, not only are you looking at it from a full, full spectrum and, and all the, how all the pieces were working together, but like you said, the breath is really informing and affecting a lot of those other systems and, you know, sort of creating this, this loop, right? A lot of the times yeah. that people just aren't even aware of. I, that's the, the best way to describe it. You know, you just hit the nail on the head. Like I just call it this bi-directional loop, right? It affects and it reflects. So your breathing reflects the state you're in, but it also affects the state you're in. And I think the, the, the most transformational thing about breathwork is that we control it. You know, it's like, oh, you don't want that loop to keep spinning? Well, get in front of it and consciously influence it and change the output of that system because you know what you're doing. Right? And that's where I think, you know, the education component is so important because there is that aspect of conscious breathing, but what does someone do in the middle of the day when they feel a certain way? Like, do they understand what lever to pull, right? Oh, I need to breathe this way because this is how I want to feel. And, and part of that's this experiential understanding that a lot of people that practice breath work will start to kind of learn on their own. It's like, oh, I breathe quickly and this happens. I breathe slowly and this happens. But I think it's a, we forget that breath work should be a skill, you know, and we can get better and better and better at using our breath. And it's more effective and it's faster in its effect. And I think that's what really excites me is to like, there's so much potential there that I don't think we've even scratched the surface of yet. Yeah, I agree. And it's so interesting how there's so many people that are just walking around completely unconscious of that, like unconscious of because they've been doing it their whole life, right? Well, why, why do I need to pay attention to, to my breathing or learn how to breathe a certain way? Like it's, I've done okay up to this point because I'm still alive. Right. But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's exactly that. Like there's, there's so much to learn there and there's so much that can be affected. Um, and, and like you said, you know, it's, it's, it becomes very apparent very quickly in, you know, Oh wait, now I feel a little bit different, you know, and, and these are these levers that I can pull. Um, so I'm curious, like, like when, when a new client comes to you, 
how do you start to build that awareness um, of, of how they're breathing and like where maybe they can make some changes? Because I would imagine that awareness is a good place to start. Yeah, and it's probably the place that I start with almost everyone because like what good is a tool if you don't know when to use it? You know, and I, I think the, the wall that most people come up against is we want to run before we can walk, right? It's like, teach me the practice. And it's like, no, <laughs> right? I need to teach you of when to use the practice and then you'll understand, you know, the utility of that practice. But if someone doesn't recognize that they breathe differently when they're feeling stressed and anxious to when they're feeling calm and relaxed, right, then they're not going to know when to use a specific protocol. So to me, awareness is really the kind of piece that binds everything else together, but then because I do have a background as a physiotherapist, I really like to look at kind of the biomechanics of like, well, does that person's diaphragm move as much as it should? Are they able to kind of use their diaphragm? Is their rib cage really stiff, you know? And we can tell a lot about someone from the way in which they breathe, you know? If I'm sitting and I'm watching someone's like shoulders go up and down, well, their diaphragm's not doing that because their diaphragm's down in the middle of their body. So someone else is going on, like we're using these accessory respiratory muscles. And what I really love to educate people about is like better breathing is not about better breathing, right? There's this kind of domino effect of like, all right, well, what does breathing with my neck do? Well, it shifts me into a different state of my nervous system. It changes my chemistry. It disrupts and impedes my lymphatic system and my cardiovascular. Like it's not really about breathing. Breathing is the tool in which we can use to kind of optimize all of the other steps downstream. And so that's where I really, I think education becomes this powerful piece because someone might be like, well, what's the difference between me breathing with my diaphragm or with my neck? And if you can't explain that or if they don't understand it, then they're less likely to actually go and do that. So a lot of what I work with people on is like actually educating like, hey, this is how your body works, right? When you breathe up into your chest, the correct response to that is feeling anxious, you know? So you're not broken when you feel anxious all the time. It's just that that's the correct response to a inappropriate or dysfunctional pattern. And if we can address that by teaching you, right, this is the muscle that you should use and the speed in which you should breathe and all these kind of pieces of the puzzle, then the anxiety should technically go away or the symptom that we're talking about, you know? But I think where the current medical system lies is like, let's manage the symptoms. Oh, you got anxiety. Let's try and like put a blanket over that anxiety and not address why you have anxiety, you know, and anxiety is just one example, but we, we tend to manage symptoms instead of looking at like, well, why are the symptoms there? Right. Is there something I can do upstream of that? You know, can I bring your nervous system back into balance? Can I optimize your chemistry? Can we fix your biomechanics? And does that make the symptoms go away? Sweet problem solved. Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved, there was a, there, you had a video recently and it was talking about like from, from this evolutionary perspective, like why do we breathe fast? And like, what is, what sort of signals are you sending to your body? And, you know, you had this great example of like, if you needed to run away from an animal or you needed to get out of danger, you would be breathing fast. You would be going at a, at a quick you know rate. And that to me is such a relatable example because that's, you know, it, when we start to like really oversimplify and like really simplify these things down, you know, like we start, we start talking about like, you know, uh, extending our exhale and being able to breathe slower and not as deep sometimes, you know, and, and all these things that are, again, like moving out of that, like heightened awareness, you know, that sort of caveman, 
you know, there might be danger around any corner type of uh, situation and really getting into these places where we're more relaxed and we're more calm, where we're sending those signals to the body that everything's cool, everything's safe. We can just kind of chill and we don't have to be on such high alert. So it's just, yeah, I, I, I love everything that you're saying, man. It's just, it really makes sense to me for sure. Yeah. And that, you know, that's what I hope people can take from this. Like this doesn't need to be another complex practice that I don't understand. You know, that someone's selling me like, go and do this special thing. You're like, what? Like, I want to kind of strip it all away and be like, all right, this is, you know, I always like to, to explain, you know, your nervous system doesn't have intellect or cognition, right? It's not telling a story. That's your mind. Your mind saying like, oh, this bad thing's going to happen, right? Your nervous system is just really based on chemistry and electricity. You know, like what's happening to the pH of my blood? Am I breathing quickly or slowly, right? That's what my nervous system's interpreting about what's the appropriate state for me to be in, you know? And if you're breathing shallow and quick, the appropriate state is one of vigilance. Like you said, you know, it's like, what do I need to do? Do I need to run away? Do I need to fight something? And the kind of second part is like, if we really look at like, evolutionarily you know the modern nervous system if you will is kind of like two to four million years old right and if we think about how much the world has changed in the past hundred years right we see this kind of like evolutionary mismatch where it's like my nervous system evolved through just thousands of generations of this evolution and and today is super different to it was 50 years ago 100 years ago and evolution is not that fast you know like we've still got this like somewhat primal nervous system that's going to react to these generic threats, right? But now that I do have this big lump of tissue in my head that allows me to have cognition and intellect, I can then start to kind of combine this top-down control of like, I can use my mind, but this bottom-up control of I can use my body and my breath to be the driver of this bus, right? I think so many people are the passengers in their body. They react to things that happen. They don't know why. They don't know what. Like, So it's like, there's a user manual for the body. And I think that user manual is the breath. And the more that we can start to understand how does my breath affect, namely, like my passion is the autonomic nervous system, but there's many other systems in response to that. You know, we see certain networks in the brain come online when I breathe rapidly versus when I breathe slowly. So when I'm breathing quickly, I'm going to make more reactive, fear-based, us versus them kind of decisions because that's my amygdala and that's what it's meant to do. Whereas when I breathe super slowly, I'm more self-aware, I'm more situationally aware, I'm going to make different decisions. Not because, you know, I'm thinking better thoughts. It's like because my brain and my body are in a more appropriate state for me to kind of weigh up the options and like how is this decision going to affect me and the person around me, people around me and me in the future, right? So it's like breath is this little bit of a, an understanding of like what can I do to change the thoughts, the feelings, the actions that I'm taking, um, and be the, the kind of conscious participant in your experience rather than just like this passenger or this observer. Yeah. I love that you touched on like the, you know, how sort of the evolution has changed. So, uh, you know, our technology and, and the world we live in, our environment has changed so rapidly. And from an evolutionary perspective, there's certain things that we, we just haven't really caught on to yet, you know, and, the, and the, the one thing that came up as you were talking about it was like how many um, how many dangers uh, in our environment we've eliminated. Um, you know, like the world is just not 
you know, for, for certain people, yes, you know, in certain environments, it's still very dangerous. But like, overall, generally speaking, the world is a lot less dangerous than it was a few hundred years ago, or a few thousand years ago, certainly a few million years ago. So, you know, we're, we're still catching up to this environment that we've created for ourselves that where we've created so much more comfort, and so much more safety. And um, yeah, our nervous system just hasn't caught up to that yet. You know, and it's just a it's a really funny thing to think about because our breath has been there the whole time, you know, but in le- like you're saying, unless we're actively working with it, unless there's an awareness and we're, we're becoming the passenger, uh, the, the driver, then we're just the passenger, like you said, that is going along on this this ride where the that ride is rapidly changing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up and maybe this is less about breath, but like we have to consider how much we've kind of manipulated the environment, you know, especially in the last 150 years of electricity, you know, we can have this false sun that's beaming in our eyes. Like, again, my nervous system doesn't have cognitive. It's not like, Oh, that's a phone. It's no, it's photons of light in the spectrum that that means sunrise because a hundred years ago, iPhones didn't exist. So my nervous system never encountered that. And we see all these things that, you know, again, I'm sitting on a phone right now. I'm not knocking technology. It's super right. important. But what effect is it having on me? You know, and, and bringing this back, this beautiful paper came out not so long ago that we have this, you know, natural sigh that occurs about every five minutes, so 12 times an hour. And they did a study that when we're on our phone, that, supp- that sigh is suppressed. You know, we don't take that natural, which is like inflating the alveoli, relaxing the nervous system, extended exhale, right? That stops when I've got this like focal vision on this little device in front of me, right? So if I'm on my phone for six, eight, 10 hours a day, you know, what's that doing to my nervous system? And I think that's a really interesting and very important question for us to ask, you know, as we continue to construct this somewhat artificial environment, of technology and separation from the natural world, like my nervous system is not going to catch up to that in my lifetime, right? Nor my children, right? It's like generations and generations. So what can we do to kind of understand that interaction now? And again, to me, that comes back to like, well, I can regulate my nervous system through this understanding of my breathing. So if I'm stressed all day because I'm sitting on my computer and it's a bright light and I'm on meetings and stuff, right, I have a personal responsibility to downregulate my nervous system at the end of the day. Like restore that sense of, okay, the danger is over. Even though the danger with me emailing my boss, right, whatever it is, I have to get back in the driver's seat and be like, that thing's done now. Let my nervous system shift back into a state that it's like, oh, now I can prioritize recovery and repairing those cells and managing that inflammation, right? Because coming back to that idea of the nervous system, we prioritize certain things, right? When I'm in a sympathetic state, I'm prioritizing action and survival and blood flow to my muscles and dilation of my pupils, right? When I'm in a parasympathetic, I'm prioritizing digestion and cellular repair and detox. So if I'm constantly in this state of vigilance or arousal, I'm not looking after the the functions in my body that we associate with longevity and driving. And I think that's again, where it's like, right, learn about your breath. So you don't have to throw away your phone. You don't have to live by candlelight. We want to participate in the modern world, but you also have this strategy to not let it have such a detrimental effect on these kind of underlying systems in the body. Yeah. I love that idea that it's a, it's a responsibility. And, and again, going back to that, 
metaphor that you used of being the passenger um, versus being the driver, you know, because if we're not taking those responsibilities, if we don't have that awareness, then we're just along for the ride, you know, and, you know, you, the, the phone is, is such a powerful example because we just don't really know what it's doing. You know, there's, there's papers that are coming out, you know, like you said, it's suppressing that natural sigh. It's changing levels of dopamine and, you know, sort of our hormones and, and different chemical re responses and the body. Um, certainly it's disrupting the circadian rhythm to a certain extent with all the, the blue light, but you know, the, the, the technology is so disruptive and I don't mean disruptive in a negative way, just more of a scientific way of using the word that we just don't know the, what's happening because the change is so rapid that we really do have this responsibility to, um, to ourselves because otherwise we're just sort of caught in this very wide current that's carrying us who knows what place, you know, and, and without that active role, we're just kind of along for the ride. So I, I really, I really appreciate that perspective. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it's a, we either can wait until the research comes out and you're like, Oh shit, you know, that's going to take 10, 15, 20 years. You know? right. Or you can just kind of make some perhaps assessments or like expectations of like, yeah, there's probably going to be some effects. So what can I do now? You know, be the N equals one, be the self experiment, right? Like yeah. if you do start to have some boundaries around like, Oh, I don't use my phone in bed at night. And first part of my day, when I wake up, I do get some natural light. I do regulate my nervous system. You know, you're 100% going to feel better. Like there's no debate there. So like, as that happens, you start to become again, like what else can I do? Right. What else can I mitigate or where else can I be a little bit more cognizant of the fact that this device that didn't exist 50 years ago, right, is now this like glued to my hand and it distracts my attention and it changes my breathing and my endocrine system, like all these things. So you can either wait and then all of the evidence will stack up. It's like, oh shit, yeah, it is really disrupting things. <laughs> right. so we can just think that the kind of intelligence is that like we already know that. You know, we don't need the research, the evidence to support or confirm it. Like, let's take personal responsibility because no one needs you can't wait until someone says all right you should use your phone less or you should do breathing right it's a, an experiential thing that i think if you feel it then you're going to be like yeah this is something that i should keep doing for just my own personal health and wellness and and feeling good and you know experiencing life in a in a positive light rather than passenger yeah and and that goes back to the importance of awareness you know like even so like for myself personally um, I came to breathwork by way of meditation. Like I've, I've been practicing meditation for almost 20 years and breathwork for only about three. So I found myself in these times after I started to have more awareness of, you know, of how I was breathing. Um, I had a pretty good habit of breathing through my nose just from my meditation practice. But all of a sudden I would find myself like I would start to notice anxiety or stress in the body and I would notice, oh, wow, I'm breathing through my mouth or I have a desire to breathe through my mouth, which is like not normal for me. And, you know, it's just having that awareness of like, oh, putting these two things together. Wow. These, the, okay. These, these things really go together. Sometimes, you know, I, I can catch it before it's happening. It's just like this. Why, why am I thinking about breathing through my mouth? And sometimes you're like, Oh shit, I am breathing through my mouth. Yeah, I, I gotta like stop. I gotta stop this, right? 
So yeah, yeah so, and, you know, the, the awareness being the, 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 the foundation of all of that. I, I think you brought up an, an amazing point, you know, because without that 20 year history and background of meditation, you probably wouldn't have drawn that conclusion. You know, right. we wouldn't have identified the fact that, oh, my breathing changes based on the way that I'm feeling. And again, there's really good research now that shows particularly people with anxiety, pres- can I diagnosed or not, self-diagnosed, I have anxiety, right? Have much less awareness of their breathing. They didn't notice that I started to breathe through my mouth. They didn't notice I just started to breathe faster. I'm holding my breath. You know, that goes below the level of perception until it crosses this certain threshold and I have a panic attack or I snap at someone or I'm like, oh, there's tension in my body. Like, so that all comes back to the awareness of like, if you notice that your breath just went from 10 breaths a minute to 15 breaths a minute, well, do something about it. You know, you can slow it back down if you like. Or you can identify what is it in the environment? What's the context? Is it a conversation I'm having? Is it a project I'm working on? What's causing my breath to change, right? Then again, you're this conscious participant. Like, is that okay? Do I want to mitigate that? Do I want to change it? But if I didn't notice that my breathing rate just increased, then I'm not going to do anything about it. And I arguably can't do anything about it. So I think that's such a, a powerful connection that you made. It's like, oh, yeah, this thing happens. And it just brought me to an example myself, you know, I've, I've obviously very cognizant of breathing and I just noticed, you know, I just got a handpan, this beautiful instrument. And I find myself, cause I was like recording some videos to listen to it. I'm like, I play this with my mouth open, <laughs> mm. the cognitive demand, if you will, or me going into that kind of creative flow state. It's like, Oh, they're like, it's not always this anxious thing or this stress thing here. It is coming out me being really kind of like hyper-focused on this. And it's like my mouth open. Right. And I started to breathe through my mouth. And that was a huge, like, whoa, you know, like, and I never like to think I've got it all sorted, like, and I've got complete control of my breath because no one does. Right. You know, but that to me was really interesting. But again, I would never have noticed that if I didn't have the understanding of the role that breath plays and how it is reflecting this kind of change in my nervous system. Yeah. That's such a great point. Thanks for bringing that up. Cause like, it's something that, that I've kind of been working with uh, fairly recently as well of like, there's different, the, how can I put this? Um, like when we say sympathetic and parasympathetic, you know, fight or flight versus, you know, rest and digest, it's not this black and white binary system. There's so many different degrees of, um, you know, activation within both of those systems, you know, like a little bit of sympathetic, uh, activation can be a really good thing. It can keep us focused. It can put us into this flow state, um, you know, where we're working and we're like, we're, we're hyper-focused. We're really like into what we're doing. We're excited about it. It's not always like, oh shit, I need to get the hell out of here or, you know, I'm ready to fight someone, you know, there, there's, and so it's, it's funny. Cause like, I think when I started to learn about these things, it was like, oh, I want to avoid the sympathetic completely. Like, I just want to be in my rest and digest all day and it's like no no like some of that's good you know and and you have to have these these different degrees uh of your experience it's not just about trying to be relaxed all day that's not really going to be good for you either yeah you know like i think that's probably the biggest misunderstanding about the autonomic nervous system right we think it's this like dichotomy black or white one or the other like i'm either in the sympathetic state or i'm in the parasympathetic state and it's like no, it doesn't work like that. Like, like you said, it's more of a spectrum, you know, zero is I'm asleep. 10 is I'm in a panic attack. 
there's all of these points on the scale, you know, and having the ability to kind of navigate, right? Like, I mean, without the sympathetic nervous system, you don't wake up in the morning. You, know? you can't exercise. You <laughs> can't right. do tasks. You can't have, you know, it's super important. And so much of what people get told or the way that it filters through is like sympathetic bad, parasympathetic good. Right. And it's like, oh, we just missed the whole boat there. In teaching people, you know, what's the best is having access to both of those states, right? I feel flat and tired, but I've got to go and do an Instagram live, you know? I want to be in a more sympathetic state so I can breathe my way up that spectrum a little bit. I'm laying in bed feeling anxious at night. My mind's racing and I should be asleep. Oh, I can bring myself down that spectrum through using certain protocols. So it's not that we're trying to get away from the sympathetic nervous system and just live in the parasympathetic, right? It's like my ability to upregulate, downregulate, respond to the environment. You know, what happens if your building's on fire? Like you damn well want to have access to your sympathetic nervous system. So it's super important that we understand it's not good and bad, but it's the flexibility or the kind of dynamic nature that I can move from one to the other at ease that I think most people struggle with. And why there tends to be this idea that sympathetic is bad, that's where most people are stuck, you know? they're in that state all the time rather than being in it as required. You know, I have to deal with this challenge. I have to get this project done. I have to have this conversation, whatever it is. And then I transition back to a state of balance or calm, right? I'm not getting rid of the sympathetic. I'm just not spending 24 hours a day there. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting for me because like, I feel like in the beginning of my breathwork practice, it was a lot of transformational breathing, you know, Wim Hof and, neurodynamic breath work and the more holotropic type styles and lately like most of my practice is like the exact opposite end of the spectrum you know doing more of the oxygen advantage type breathing learning how to breathe less and learning how to like so it's 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 interesting because like with my own coach you know we talked about she's like well you have this great ability to push yourself into the sympathetic but like your body isn't necessarily like wanting to hang out there. So you need to like learn how to actually hold that. And we're doing that by, you know, doing the uh, long, slow, deep breathing and, you know, learning how to have, you know, be sit with my air hunger and, you know, increase that CO2 tolerance and like things that like I wouldn't have necessarily expected that I would have been working on, um, you know, when I first kind of came across this it was like oh cool i can use my breath to like put myself into this altered state and you know not take so much medicine this is great you know um, yeah. so it's like it's, it's a totally different spectrum and it's 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 really reminding me of like just how many different ways that we have to influence the nervous system how many different ways we have just using the breath that we can you know impact our our, our health and and our different states and, and just, you know, how incredible it is. It's just a, such a gift to be able to, to know how to do that. Yeah. And you know, what I, I start to see a lot is, and again, this idea of, and being stuck in the sympathetic state is probably not the right terminology, but most of us can kind of understand that. But when people start to do the practices that you're talking about, you know, the down regulating the slow, we might encounter this like, Ooh, I don't, know what this is i don't know and you probably are better to speak to this than i am but i encounter that a lot of people that try meditation right 
I'm the type A do-do. I'm used to be going all the time. And I sit down and I stop and it's super uncomfortable. It's like, yeah, you don't know how to explore or navigate the parasympathetic state. So it feels uncertain. So you want to go back to what you know, which is rushing and doing and acting and being sympathetic. So I think it's, you know, a lot of time people say to me like, oh, I tried meditation and it didn't work. And I tried to do breath work and I don't like it. It's like, what you're kind of saying to me is like, you don't really know how to navigate this alternate state. So you want to go back to what you know, because we love certainty. So does your nervous system. And for those that are listening that have maybe tried breath work or meditation and found like, oh, it's not for me. <laughs> you know, I think it's like, continue to persevere and, and maybe you'll start to appreciate and approach that alternate state with comfort as well, you know? And, and I'm speaking from my own experience that I love the Wim Hof method. I love ramps me up, right? Like, because that's the type of person I am, you know, I am a go, go, do, do. I'm always acting and moving around. Like, but then I started to kind of encounter like, Oh, you know, I can access this alternate state a different way. If I really slow down, like there's a whole other area here that I've not explored. And the initial kind of feeling is like, I don't necessarily like it, but that's more because I don't know what it is or how it works or how to navigate it. But as I keep kind of dipping back into that state, it's like, Oh, this is pretty cool as well. But it took that little bit of like overcoming that barrier of uncertainty where my nervous system is now a little bit more familiar with the parasympathetic state, with being still, with being a little bit more mindful. And now I've got access to both of those states, you know? So again, it, it's not us trying to get rid of the sympathetic, you know, I still go up there when I need to, but now I've kind of got the other side of the spectrum that's available to me too. Yeah. That's, you know, there, there's, there's so much there to unpack that you just said. Um, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in that idea that, that most people, myself included, for sure, um, have created a system for themselves that works. And they've, they've created that system with their nervous system. Um, they've created it around the things that they're not comfortable with, sometimes on these very subconscious, unconscious levels, you know, whether that's complex trauma that they experienced in their childhood, or um, something more acute, like a like a physical accident that, you know, like, it's it's almost like, um, you know, a physical accident is a good example, because like, say you, 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 you have an injury um, from from a physical accident. And then the the scarring and the ways that you sort of build around that injury as you heal, you create your own system for yourself. And it's not working in 100% optimization, but it works for you. And so what you're describing with meditation or with breath work is starting to break down those systems, starting to tear away sort of the, the, the ways that, that one has adapted and learned how to cope with their own system, with their body, with their, with their nervous system, with whatever stresses and traumas that they've, that they've carried with them. And as we start to tear down those, those sort of systems that we've built for ourselves, sometimes it's, it's uncomfortable because like you're saying, the nervous system doesn't, it, it's, not, it, it's not discerning. It's not saying this is good, this is bad. It's just dealing with these physiological um, changes, these things that are happening in the body and the signals that are going from the mind to the body. And I love, you know, I was looking at, uh, I was looking at your website before we came on here and there was something on there that said the, the, the breath is the bridge 
between the mind and the body. You know, the breath is the mind-body connection. And I can certainly relate to, you know, there's, there's definitely been times in my life where I've broken down my systems in different ways and it's uncomfortable. You know, the, the first one for me, like a few years ago was when I was getting into breath work and I was drinking a lot. Uh, I was coming out of an abusive marriage. You know, I wasn't living in a very good way. And, you know, plant medicine and more meditation and, you know, breath work really started to, to give me these messages of like, you need to stop doing this stuff. Well, you'd think, well, hey, like not drinking, you know, five or six times a week would definitely be a good thing. Well, in the beginning, it wasn't because like my, my, my systems, you know, my nervous system, my body, my mind had gotten used to having that, 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 that adaptation. You know, it was my way of, of coping with certain things. And all of a sudden that coping mechanism wasn't there anymore. And there was a bunch of shit that I had to deal with that was being suppressed by the drinking. And in the beginning, yeah, it was not comfortable at all. Now, over time, like I learned to adapt. And that's the beauty, I think, of this type of work and of learning how to use the breath to support yourself in a much more holistic way is our ability to adapt and our ability to change. But you're exactly right that if you have that first um, uncomfortable feeling of like, well, I tried meditation and I really didn't like it, or I tried breath work and it really didn't work out, persevere with it, stick with it, because you have the ability to adapt to anything. You know, and just just giving up after that first discomfort is not necessarily like the healthiest thing to do. You know, maybe having a little bit more curiosity about it of like, okay, well, where, why does this make me feel uncomfortable? Where do I feel this in my body? Or working with somebody like you or me, where we can like help them sit with that feeling and like actually like get more in tune with it and and help you with that curiosity of like okay, well, what's this bringing up? Or like, what would you be doing right now instead of sitting here quietly, you know, just focusing on your breath um, or, you know, doing the, these, these wonderful types of breathing? So yeah, I, I, I really agree with you that um, to me, what I always say is like, if it's sort of like Pavlov and his dog, right? Like, like Pavlov, yeah. Pavlov trained his, his dog when he heard the bell the, the dog would start salivating because he knew that food was happening. So in the same way, we can train our body of like, when, when I'm starting to feel this discomfort or this uncomfortableness, there's an invitation there of what, what signal is this trying to get me to pay attention to? You know, instead of being like, oh, I got to get away from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanna, I, like, I want to zoom in on two things there because like that whole like section was just so you know, perfectly summarizes like this idea, like number one, it's like our nervous system has a fantastic memory, you know, and that sounds strange because of course, like memory is a construct of our mind, but like the nervous system remembers as well, you know, and the second point to like the Pavlov's dog is like these neural associations, right? (gasps) What does that mean? Well, I only do that when I'm frightened or I'm expecting pain or I'm bracing for impact. So if I (gasps) do that, my body is just going to be like, when has that happened before? Oh, yeah. Right. When someone yelled at me, when this happened, right? The association comes up and it's like, well, what's the correct response based on that information of the past? And so where I think we start to see this like hugely 
big potential for breathwork is like, you know what, you can create the neural association now. So you can take a pattern of breath or a type of breath based on a state that you're feeling and you can set up that little stimulus and response, right? And I did this kind of like self-experiment and it just paid such dividends. You know, whenever I would experience, you know, just a moment of bliss, it might've been an incredible sunset. Like a few times it was, I was watching live music and my favorite song comes on, you know, we've all had that feeling of the kind of the tingles and the rushes. Yeah. When that would happen, I would take this one really specific breath and I only ever took that breath when I got that feeling in my body. And after a month or so, I can take that breath and I get boom, like, and I just, my body's like, oh, we must be experiencing bliss because this is the breath that I take when that thing is happening. And your nervous system just predicts what's going to happen based on what's happened in the past. So it's like, we can start like rewriting that program and getting into the software and being like, when I do this, this is what I want to happen. You know, and that's the, the, the longer term kind of harder part of breath work that, but, but to me is so much more beneficial and the, the, the response to that and like the effect that that gives you over your own state is massive, you know, and kind of, I think almost everything we do is an attempt to soothe our nervous system, right? You made the example of drinking, right? It's like, oh, I, I'm feeling a certain way and I don't want to feel like this. I'm going to grab a bottle of wine or a couple of beers, right? Because that's going to make me feel different. I'm tired in the morning, but I got to go to work. I'm going to knock back two coffees because that makes me feel different, right? It's an attempt at like how I'm feeling now is not appropriate for the situation I'm in. I want to feel different. I'm going to rely on an external source. And so breath can be this nice in-between state. It's like, oh, I'm feeling this way. Number one, you know, like you said, observe, right? Why am I feeling this way? What pattern, what construct, what behavior Am I perhaps trying to suppress or avoid by turning to the drink or the weed or the pill or the, whatever it is, right? And having that ability and wherewithal to be like, yeah, this is uncomfortable, right? But can I sit with that discomfort? Perhaps can I use breath to breathe through that discomfort? And a lot of the times you'll recognize, oh, it's transitory, right? It's a passing thing. It's a wave that's coming up. And so often because in the past I get swept up with that wave and I go and do the destructive behavior. I go and do the thing. It's like, if I let the wave kind of crash over me, I'm still where I was. It was kind of uncomfortable and challenging for a moment, but it's like, oh, my nervous system learns I don't have to do the behavior when I have the feeling, right? And it's like, that becomes a new lesson. That becomes a new program or software in the system. That's like the next time the urge comes up of like, I'm going to crack a beer, right? It's like, what's going on? You know, last time this happened, I let it crash over me. And that's where we can start to break some of these perhaps non-optimal or less constructive patterns that we all have, right? And again, there's nothing wrong with having a drink or smoking, a, whatever it might be, right? But if it's not serving you and if it's getting in the way, then you have to identify, you have to sit with the discomfort and address why it's there and replace that perhaps with a little bit more of a constructive practice. Sit in meditation, do some breath work, right? Plant medicine and integration, like are all these ways of like helping you to kind of have a bit more of an understanding of the thing that's happening and, and perhaps the behavior that you're using to navigate away from that or to not feel it or to not have like, address it. And, you know, I think that's where the work lies. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of the work, um, would you be willing to like guide us through a, like a short practice, maybe yeah, I'd love to. five, 10 minutes at the most? Let's do it. Um, so for those of you that are joining now, you know, always do this in a safe 
setting, if you're in your car, wait, come back, watch the recording. If you're walking, wait, come back, watch the recording, right? We always want to practice in a safe manner, which ideally sitting down or laying down, okay? Um, so just take a moment and thinking about what we just discussed, right? The state that I'm in, right? So let's kind of, if you feel comfortable, close down the eyes. And the first thing I want you to do is just check in. You know, what state am I in? If zero was asleep and 10 was a panic attack, where am I? And just kind of firstly notice your body. Don't even worry about your breath just yet. What position am I in? My posture? Do I feel tense or relaxed? Do I feel hot, cold? Can I feel clothing touching my skin? So start to bring attention from perhaps the outside world to the inside world. And maybe you notice your heart beating. Have you tuned in and checked in with your heart today? If you haven't, it might take you 15 or 20 seconds, but let's see if we can start to sense the beating of the heart. And then just kind of allow your attention to find your breath. You don't have to go start changing it or controlling it yet. Just notice it. I really love this cue or this question. How do I know I'm breathing? So ask yourself that. Is it the sensation of air that's entering and exiting your nostrils? Is it a sound? Right? Can you hear your breath? Maybe it's the movement of your body expanding and contracting. And so just kind of like we're tuning in to the radio station, right? There's static, static, and then it's clear, right? Tune into your breath. What are the qualities that you might pick up on? Right? Is it smooth? Is it maybe a little bit erratic? Shallow or deep, fast or slow? Effortful or effortless? And usually about now, maybe there is that little feeling of, I've got something to do. You know, I want to move my body, right? It's a wave. Let it crash. Stay where you are. And then I want you just to think of slowing the breath down slightly, but also allowing it to become a little bit deeper. So a little bit slower, a little bit deeper. Start to expand, create a bit more space for the air to fill the body up. But also on the exhale, facilitate the movement of air out of your body. So we'll have an active inhale and also an active exhale. Slightly slower, slightly deeper. You're doing the breath now. So consciously we start to manipulate. So start to draw it out a little bit longer. Create a bit more space in the body. There's no rush to get to where we're going. So each breath, an opportunity for you to lengthen and deepen. Slowly but surely. And if each breath is a little bit different, it's this constant anchor for your attention. Every time your breath changes, your mind wants to notice why, what happened. Is something changing in the environment, right? So each breath, a little bit slower, a little bit deeper. Right? And just think of the space between your pelvis and your shoulders. We want to slowly dial up the volume, maybe to 70, 80, even 90%. Your natural breath, day to day, moment to moment, really about 30% of your capacity. Let's start to crank that up a little bit. It doesn't have to be rushed. It doesn't have to be intense. But start to take up some space. 
Let's keep the inhale through the nose, but let's start to let the exhale kind of fall out through the mouth. Gently parted lips. I draw the inhale slow, smooth, deep. At that peak, I just let it kind of crash and tumble back down. And then let's try to remove that little hesitation at the top of the inhale. Let the inhale kind of become that falling exhale. Let's remove that slight pause at the bottom of the exhale before the next inhale begins. So we start to kind of like file down the edges, smooth it out. The inhale rises, expands, grows, swells, and it becomes this falling, heavy exhale. And the moment it tapers off, that next breath arrives. Start to connect the two parts of the breath. And notice the sensation, notice the movement of the body, notice the sound. Continue to hold your mind here on this active, kind of controlled breath. Now let's see if we can find 10% more. That 10% more volume, is that 10% faster? Is that 10% stronger? Whatever makes sense to you, just 10% more. We might start to experience the body responding to this. Tingling or buzzling or changing of temperature, right? All normal, all safe, but remembering you're in control. Let's aim for three more of these breaths. Slow, full, expansive, maximum inhale. That exhale, an opportunity to really let go, sink down, drop the tension from the body. And then I draw back in, almost a rebound. The inhale fills that space. And the exhale, I relax, I release. And then let's, for a moment, just play with a pause at a few different points. So let's next exhale all the way out squeezing, dropping the shoulders, contracting the belly, emptying the lungs, like every last drop of air. Can we squeeze it out, 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 take a little pause? What does that feel like? A little bit uncomfortable, right? I want to get out of there. Stay soft. Let's take a slow but really deep inhale. At the top, let's pause. What does that feel like? Have I created a bit of tension in the shoulders or the jaw? Maybe I sneak a little bit more air in. I'm kind of over full. Can I stay soft here? And then let's just kind of release the pressure valve. Let the breath fall out. Let it taper off. Let it stop. Now we're kind of in between. We're not empty. We're not full. Can you balance there? Just kind of balancing on that ledge between the exhale and the inhale, between full and empty, between doing and being. When your body tells you it's time to breathe again, listen. Right, take a nice, conscious, luxurious breath in. Take a little pause at the top of that breath. Allow that kind of fresh wave of oxygen, of energy, to kind of roam through the body. Where does it need to go? It needs to go to the heart, 
Maybe it needs to go to the head. Maybe it needs to go to a certain part of the body. Allow your attention to kind of perhaps direct that oxygen, that energy. Let's just take one final topping up of that inhale. Letting it all go. And like we spoke about, can we now shift out of the driver's seat and become that observer, the witness? You know, let your breath happen to you now. So we started with awareness. How do I know I'm breathing? Letting it happen. We moved into that conscious control of the breath, doing it. Now we come back to just letting it happen. Let the body be breathed. And we might notice it's a little bit easier this time, but still, do I kind of get in my way? Do I try and lengthen or slow it down or do this thing, right? Can I really remove myself from the equation? The meddling, the kind of trying to optimize, trying to do what I think is right. Just let your breath happen without judgment of what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong. And the final thing I invite you to do is just take a moment of self-reflection, right? How do I feel now? Where did I start on that state chart? Where am I now? You know, there might not even be a, a label or a word that comes up, but do I feel different? And that moment of drawing attention to the shift that's occurred is very, very important. And so if you do feel different, how do you feel different? Where do you feel different? What's the difference? And then quite often there's a little bit of movement that perhaps wants to come out of the body. Maybe a stretch, maybe a yawn. Don't deny your body that movement. So if you want to take a nice big stretch, if you want to let out a big yawn, do so. Right? Unashamedly, just kind of following the body for a moment, allowing it to express, you know, release. And when you do feel ready, slowly allowing the eyes just to gently blink open. And again, notice the space that you're in, the colors, the lights, the shapes, right? kind of reorient to the moment. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for that, Campbell. It's a nice little reset. Feel nice. Well, this has been a great uh, conversation and thanks to everybody that, um, you know, joined us live. And um, if you're listening to the replay, hope you enjoyed uh, that brief practice. So, um, you know, always want to close with this. Uh, where can people um, learn more about you that they want to work with you? I know you have quite a few different offerings, right? You have a facilitator training program coming up. Yeah, so I, I teach breathwork, you know, to health practitioners, anyone that works kind of in the health space um, that's wanting to kind of introduce breathwork into their offering or create it as a standalone. Um, it's a 12-week certification. That next opens up on the 18th of July. Um, so if anyone's kind of thought about, you know, how could I bring breathwork into what I currently do? Or perhaps I want to just move into breath coaching. Um, a lot of what makes this training different is in, like we still got to start, rather than just the conscious breath work we're also looking at you know assessment and treatment and using breath as a kind of therapeutic tool for things like anxiety and sleep and energy and health um, so that opens up 18th of july 
I also do work with individuals. I primarily work with people struggling with anxiety, panic attacks, um, and those that are really just wanting to, you know, cultivate this skill of breathing. Right? And I know that's a, a general way to put it, but it's like we've, we've touched on so many beautiful points today is the potential that opens up when you have control over this system, right? This self-reliance and self-regulation. And so those that are perhaps interested in exploring that world and it's kind of inner environment um then i do work with people in that kind of one-to-one setting so i'm most active here on instagram breath body therapy my website's the same breathbodytherapy.com um and i really encourage people you know i don't buy it i always like to answer answer questions so if people are like well what about this situation that i'm in could it help with this right if anyone has any questions and i'd encourage them to reach out awesome definitely recommend you do that um just you know talking to you for this hour has really been a a wonderful example of uh, the experience that you have and, you know, good, good taste of what people can expect if they want to work with you. So really appreciate you uh, sharing your time and experience and uh, wisdom with everyone. Well, I enjoyed it as much as you did, Jonathan. I think it was a, a really nice conversation. And I think we brought in a lot of good points that hopefully will, you know, even if it just makes people think a little bit about, Oh yeah, you know, why do I do that? <laughs> why do I need that glass of wine at that time or whatever it might be? Um, and perhaps where breath can be introduced into that kind of setting of that, maybe a more constructive tool. Yeah. And, and maybe just even having, you know, being a little bit more curious about, you know, the awareness that you have, you know, just sort of like we were talking about tuning in when, when we get into different states, like, well, what's happening and how do I feel in my body and what's happening with my breath and, you know, all these, all these little tools that we can start to use to really, uh, zoom in on what's happening in this beautiful body that we all are living in. Yeah. yeah and <laughs> to, to sum it all up, I really think breath awareness is self-awareness, right? So like we can kind of start there and cultivate that and that's going to open up, oh, well, what's my posture doing and what's my mind doing? And you know, there's a point that we can grab onto there that is the breath that will open up the door to lots of other things. That's great. You know, that's a great way to close because, you know, the, the name of this podcast is The Vital Point which is this idea from this Buddhist teaching of like that, you know, all this wisdom, all this, you know, multifaceted experience can be really summed up into distilled into this very, very like concise in, in the, the case of the, of the vital point. It, it's like three lines, but you know, that there's so much to learn, right. And there's so much that we can get into um, about the breath and about how it affects our nervous system. But sometimes it's really important just to start with something that's, that's the vital point, that's something that's really important. And I love that as a vital point that, you know, breath awareness is self-awareness. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. So thank you for, for offering that as a, as a close to the episode. I think, yeah, it's a beautiful way to finish. Um, yeah. And thank you for your time as well, man. Thanks for having me on and, and having the conversation and doing the work that you do. And I think it's super important and, happy to, to have this connection and, you know, continue to, to have this conversation. I'd love to, to have round two or episode two, because I think we, we opened up a couple of boxes that we could dive a lot further into. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. We'll have to do that. Well, thanks okay. everybody for uh, tuning in. Thank you, Campbell, uh, for, for your time and for your experience. And uh, yeah, if you're listening to the replay, um, definitely follow the podcast on uh, Spotify or Anchor, leave a review so that it pops up in more people's feeds and, you know, definitely helps uh, get the word out there. And, um, you know, we'll leave on, on Campbell's uh, vital point, which is breath awareness is self-awareness. 
it's a beautiful thing to take into the rest of your day. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time here on The Vital Point. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for checking out another episode of the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you feel inspired to go and do some practice of your own. Remember that integration and practice is the vital point. Maybe this episode inspired you to add something new to your daily or regular practice, like meditation or breath work. Or you're ready to take that ice bath that you've been dreading, but you know is going to be really good for you. Maybe you're curious to something that you've been called to try, you know, like working with a new teacher or facilitator or working with a psychedelic or plant medicine in whatever way is safe and legal for you where you live. Please reach out to me or to the guest through the links on the show page to learn more about what we talked about on this episode. Subscribe to the podcast and please leave us a review, which really helps the show makes it visible to more people. And if you're finding the show valuable, please share it with a friend that would also be interested and uh, share it on your social media. Follow me at Blue Magic Alchemy on Instagram. That's all one word. And if you're interested in learning more about breathwork or you'd like support with self-development and transformational practice, reach out to me at bluemagicalchemy at gmail.com or Instagram to set up a discovery call for individual coaching sessions and my six-month transformational coaching container. Until next time, be well, keep practicing, because that's the vital point. Be well, my friends.